0: Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment you'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny.
1: We've entitled this new teaching session, and I love it, Perception Determines Reception. And I love the subtitle, You Must Receive Who God Sends in Order to Receive What God Intends. Let's talk about it. I've shared this with you before, but... There was a recent survey that was done throughout the United States of America. They surveyed people that did not know Jesus, uh, people that were not church, and they asked them to describe the church in the United States of America with simply two words. And the two words that this poll came up with, and all of these people that did not know the Lord came up with, listen to the two words, judgmental and irrelevant. And irrelevant how many know church we've got a branding problem that's not a good result of a poll that we not joy church but the church in America the two words that people that don't know Jesus describe churches in America as judgmental and irrelevant turn to your neighbor and say is he, is he talking about you just tell him just tell him well <laughs> i hope not so how many know in order to change the reception of the church. We're going to have to change the perception of the church or we will go extinct. And so let me talk to you about this. One of my favorite passages in the Bible from John chapter 4, I've been referring to it quite a bit in a number of messages. This was the interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And you remember at the time, the Jews and the Samaritans, they had a lot of cultural clashes. These people did not get along at all. And Jesus made a beeline, crossed a bridge, if you will, to get to this woman, to get to this culture, and to bring her to him. And I've talked all about it. When they initially con- contacted over the well, Uh, You remember the whole thing. That little woman tried to drag Jesus into three different ditches. We talked about them before. Those ditches were race, religion, and reason. And boy, that's pretty appropriate for the time. That seems to be the talking points and the divisive points uh, in this country right now is race and reason and religion. And that woman tried to drag Jesus into all three of those, and Jesus would have none of it. Jesus discovered rather than all the race and the reason and the religion, Jesus went to the real issue that she was dealing with and discovered her point of pain in her heart, her point of where she was hurting, where she was lonely and empty. And Jesus said, go bring your husband to me. And the woman said, I don't have a husband and Jesus said, boy, you said that right because the guy that you're with now, you're living with, and you've had five husbands before him, and here now, all of a sudden, the narrative changed with this woman. And here's what the Bible says in John chapter 4 and verse 19. Here was her response. Check it out. The woman said unto him, sir, I perceive. Everybody say, I perceive. I perceive, I perceive that you are a prophet. In other words, right before that, it was just argumentative and you're just another Jew that's going to hurt me, just another man that's going to hurt me. But because Jesus went to her point of pain, now all of a sudden that perception was different and now the reception changed completely. And now these verses came into play. And later on in John chapter 4, the woman then left her water pot and went away into the city, that's Samaria, and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Notice this, that Jesus changed her perception and therefore changed her reception. And now once that reception was changed, she began to affect an entire city. Look at the last verse in John chapter 4. Check it out. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. And listen to me closely. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, it is our job to change the perception of the community so that we can change the reception of the community and in doing so we can help this community get to our Lord Jesus Christ can somebody give God thanks because I say this life point all the time how many know if you don't know where you're going you're going to end up somewhere else Therefore, this series is designed to refocus us as a church. I really believe this comes from the heart of God. It's a watershed session in order to help direct us over the next number of years so that we don't lose our way. So as you know, we're always not about telling you what to do. We're always about telling you how. So let me jump into seven powerful principles to help change perspective These are, again, not deep things. These are things that we discuss all the time here. But I want to make sure that we're all on the same path together because so many people are getting off the path. They're getting away from Jesus. They're getting away from the Word of God. And we must make sure we stay on God's path. Could I have a big amen? So our first change of perception so that we can change the reception, I talk about it every single church service, number one, we've got to go from religion to relationship. Now, you say, Pastor, you start the church service out with that every single time. Why do you do that? When I I introduce ourselves and I I talk about one of the first things right off the bat, here at Joy Church, we're not about religion, we're about relationship. You say, why do you do that? I mean, I've been coming here for 10 years, and I hear that every single time. Listen to me closely. I met so many new people that are here in the house for the very first time. I just met them just a moment ago. There there are new people that come all the time. And by the way, if you're here for the very first time, we are honored to have you. (laughs) Come on, give them a big encouragement. Honored to have you. And listen to me, church, those of you have been here for quite some time and you say, Pastor, you talk about it all the time from religion and relationship. Why do you do that? Listen to me. There's new people that come all the time. And one of the greatest revelations that you can ever get about church, listen to me, is it is not about you. Not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And listen, as long as heaven and hell are real places, and they are, This church must continue to grow. And it's not for the sake of growth or so that we can have the biggest church in Mount Julia. We already have that. That's not the the point. The point is about the people. If there is an empty chair next to you, then there's room to grow. We have a Saturday service where there's more empty chairs. We have a third service as soon as we need to where there's more empty chairs. And we're always about going from religion to relationship. Now, let me talk to you about it because you need to know what the difference is because so many people don't. How many know in Middle Tennessee there are more Christians than there are people? (laughs) And just because you say you're a Christian or just because you go to church, that's not the difference maker. And obviously, I'm a pro-church guy. I'm a pastor. We're thrilled that you're here. But any good local church... Should only help facilitate not more religion, but a relationship, a living, breathing relationship with Him. How how many understand? Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than you sticking your head in an oven makes you a biscuit. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, Are you a hothead? Just tell them, just tell (laughs) them. Realm number one, check it out. I love it. Religion is man's attempt to get to God, relationship is Christ's attempt to get to man and what a difference that is second difference in between religion and relationship this is powerful number two religion is man does all the work presents it to god and says will you accept this relationship is christ does all the work presents it to man and says will you accept this i remember many years back i was in trinidad i was doing a pastor's conference there uh, for ministers and there was a big, big, big uh, division on the island at the time. I'll never forget it. And a lot of people were angry at Christians. That's the same thing that's going on in America today. And they were mad at Christians because of the claims that we make. We say things like what Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only way, Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, to get to God. How many understand that? And to a lot of people, that sounds narrow-minded. And so there was a big division on the island, and so the secular media decided to ask me, the guy from America, why that was. What what, what makes Christianity so different from everybody else? And I I was uh, interviewed by a secular media host, and she told me... Before the cameras went on, before the lights went on, here's the questions, Mark, I'm gonna ask it. So she went through them dum da, da dum da da, 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 da da so that she just, I'm just saying this so you'll be prepared. Lights go on, and she didn't ask me one of them, because <laughs> she was trying to trap me. But how many know the Bible says in Luke chapter 12 and verse 12, in that hour, you don't need to be concerned about what to say, because the Holy Spirit will give you the words. And you know what I said to her? Point two. I told her exactly that. I said, here's the difference. All other religion, man does all the work, presents it to God and says, is this enough, God? Will you accept it? But Christianity is so different. The head of our deal did all the work, presents it to man and says, hey, man, it is enough. Now, will you accept it? that's why Jesus Christ is the only way, because he is the only one that could do all the work. He's the only one that could do it all on the cross and take my sins and your sins and then go down into the heart of the earth. And he could not be held there because he was there illegally, because he had no sins of his own. He just had mine and he just had yours. And that's why God could raise him from the dead. And now he's the only one at the right hand of the Father with his arms of love wide open, say, come on in and meet the Father. I'm the only way. Big difference between religion and relationship. Third difference that you need to see, check it out. Religion is all about rules. Christianity is all about relationship. What a big difference. Fourth thing you need to know, hand-in-hand, watch this, religion is all about behavior modification. Relationship is all about life transformation. And if anybody knows, I know. That's why I'm not a judgmental pastor, because when Jesus met me 37 years ago, man, I want you to know I was an alcoholic, checking IDs at a bar. And if it was just simply a matter of behavior modification, I promise you I would have gone back to drinking a long time ago. But it wasn't. It was always about a relationship. It was never about rules. It was always about behavior modification. And now, decades later, I've not touched a drop of alcohol for more than three decades. Why? Because of life transformation of a living, loving, breathing relationship with Jesus. And by the way, that's why we will never judge you here. We're only going to help you here. We had a guy come, he came uh, last Wednesday, his very first church service was two Wednesdays ago. He had not been to church for 28 years. And to be honest with you, he looked a little bit rough on the outside, lots of tattoos, earrings, mohawk, on and on and on, but man, people here loved on him. They didn't give him a look or some judgmental dent, they loved on him. And then he heard my story. I told my story. I happened to tell it in that, on that Wednesday, and he felt right at home. And he came up to me last Wednesday, and he, he let me know. He said, I want to just let you know, man, I haven't been to church for 28 years, but I love it here. People are loving. They're welcoming. I hear your story. We have similar stories. He said he used to check IDs at a bar as well. He was in a gang. He used to steal cars. And now his life is being transformed by God, and he's getting his Ph.D., you better not judge a man by his tattoos. You might be working for him. <laughs> Could I have an amen? amen? Isn't that powerful? Come on, church. We got to keep that. We got to keep that as something beautiful. Well, we have people coming in from all walks of life, and you don't give them that nasty, pharisaical church look. <laughs> like the rock. I, I smell what you're cooking right now. Number five, check it out. Religion is a have-to, relationship is a get-to. I was just talking to a dentist the other day, and he was telling me, he said, Pastor, I came from another denomination, another church, where, quite honestly, the church was not life-giving at all. I wasn't growing. It, 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 was, just, it was quite religious. And so they made the trip over here, and it was new to him. this kind of atmosphere where we really uh, talk about relationship was new to them. But he said, I love it. He said, for the first time in my life, I'm now starting to come on Wednesday. I'm never a Wednesday churchgoer. And you know what? Even though sometimes I'm tired, it's a get-to and not a have to. That's what he said. And listen, I realize sometimes, you know, we don't always feel like going to church. Look, I'm the pastor, and there's sometimes I don't feel like coming to church. And we make a decision to do it. I get that. But overall, man, my Christianity is a get-to, not a have to. And that's the difference between religion and relationship as is this helping anybody. <laughs> this church wants to put the fun back in fundamental. And I don't mean compromise. I don't mean create God in your own image. I don't mean any of that nonsense. You know better than that. But the Bible says, Proverbs 17, a merry heart does good like a medicine. The Bible says, Psalms 122 and verse 1, I was glad when I came into the house of the Lord. Not mad or sad, but Glad. Glad. Romans 14 and verse 17, the kingdom of God is not in meat or drink, or that means not rules or regulations, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If there is no joy at your church, dear me, you ought to get out of there because that is evidence that the Spirit of God is not there. Right. Come on, there ought to be a smile on your face. If you're really a born-again child of God, earth is the only hell you'll ever know. And when it's 97 degrees out like it is today, that's as close to hell as you're ever going to (laughs) get. Let your heart notify your face that you're saved. Hello, this is your heart. You're going to heaven. Please notify your face. Some of you look like you've been born in a pickle jar. (laughs) Escape from that. Be free. (laughs) If you really got Jesus in your heart and He lives there and He's your Lord and you love Him and you don't have religion and you've left it all at the cross, just oh, come a smile across your face every once in a while? Some of you, man, you look like a three-legged dog. <laughs> Nobody, every your life is like a blues song. Dun, 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 dun. I got Jesus in my heart dun, dun, dun. but I don't know where to start dun, dun, dun. It looks like I'm going to hell dun, dun, dun. but you know I really do smell uh-huh. Hey 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 Yeah Mm Ow Come on tripod Start walking like you got Jesus in your heart for goodness sake I just called you all a Tripod huh? <laughs> on you know, it. You know our broadcast, our, our videocast goes to 28-something countries. There are going to be 28 countries going, Wah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Listen, if you don't know how to put the fun back in Christianity, this little boy does. Check it out.
2: Oh, faith in bigora, that's a long day.
1: Whew. Hi, Father Romali.
2: Well, hello Zeke, how are you today?
1: Good, my gosh, you dress so funny. <laughs> huh.
2: This is what I wear for work. It's like my uniform.
1: Well, what's that big band-aid?
2: Oh, this, that's not a band-aid, son. That's my collar. Well, I don't see the label. Label? You know, the sticker that says, kills fleas and ticks.
1: Oh, come on, Catholic brothers and sisters. Come on, clap. You might as well clap. <laughs> Listen, please don't, if you have a Catholic back and, we, and we've got lots of you, please don't be offended. Please just understand that before the service is over, we will try to offend every denomination. <laughs> it's a gift. Give us time. Be patient. <laughs> so our first transition so that we can help change the perception and therefore the reception, it's got to go from religion to relationship. Got to. And listen, when that happens, look at what happens. Look at, since we opened the church 16 years ago, look at how many people are giving their lives to the Lord. Look at that. 4,800 plus since we opened the door 16 years ago. Come on. And just getting started. Our second transition our, to, from changing that perception so we can change that reception. Number two, check it out. we got to go from taker to giver. We've, we, we've got to. Now, now you know, you, this, is, this is one of your pastor's pet peeves. You know this. I, I, I am not a fan of takers. I, I'm just not. And from the get-go of this church, I've tried to rearrange the mindset because I watch so many churches, and they go to the local government, and they go to the local government to get help. And I've tried to reverse that since I've become your pastor. So we founded the church 16 years ago. And I have really, it was not easy at first. It's getting more and more, uh, the mindset is becoming uh, more apparent towards that. And I appreciate that. But it's taken a little bit to work on that. When I first came here, I'm, I was really big on, listen, we've got to reverse that. I want the local government coming to us. Can you help us? And sometimes we can't. It doesn't go with our vision. But many times we can. I don't want to reverse that. We've got to stop being takers, and we've got to start being givers. As you know, we're all about reaching the community. That outreach really personifies it, that three-in-one. Are you excited about that, everybody? Isn't that new? <laughs> Cleaning single mom. Come on, if you're a single mom or dad, and you ought to be clapping better than that. You're, you're clapping like Pastor Dave's going to come over and clean your house. He's not going <laughs> It's gonna be good, it's gonna be, be good. So we prepared a little video for you. For those of you that are guests, we have a mobile kitchen where we've just gone all over and fed the hungry. Check it out.
3: God gave Pastor Jim a vision that if you fill a stomach, you can open a heart. And out of that vision came our 24-foot mobile kitchen. It's such an opportunity for
1: uh, us as a church family to just reach out to the community, uh, to love on them, to show them um, Jesus in a different way.
3: We've already served thousands of free meals in our community in Jesus' name. In the Bible, Jesus was moved with compassion and he fed people. Compassion sees a need and meets it. This is an honor to serve the community. It's an honor to be a part of the joy to go feeding thousands and thousands of people, showing people the love of Jesus. What an honor it is, and we look forward to more and more and greater and greater. Pastor Jim says, if you have compassion, you'll make a difference. Our joy to go team is making a difference. People from all walks of life are being fed, loved, and encouraged and it's all free. Joy to Go is so special to our family. We're out here loving on people, serving the community, being a blessing. It's an honor to serve and give away food in the name of Jesus. We would love you to join us at our next Joy to Go outreach. Come on
1: church, get excited. We have fed over 42,600 free meals to the community. And we're just getting started. So proud of our community outreach pastor, Pastor James and Tara Biddle. Come on, encourage them. They're doing a phenomenal job, and I'm really, really, really proud of them. Remember this life point because it really exhibits what I'm trying to say. Check it out. You can't be a selfish person and live a significant life. You cannot, not as a believer. John chapter 10 and verse 10, which side are you on? The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and it more abundantly. Am I going to be on the taker's side or am I going to be on the giver's side? That, wor- that word steal in, the, in John chapter 10 and verse 10 of the Greek language is the Greek word kleptos. We get a word kleptomania from it. A kleptomaniac is someone that habitually takes, continually takes, I refuse to be a Christian or a church or a person that way. What do you say we go from taker to giver and maintain that for forever? Look at this scripture, Deuteronomy 21 and verse 17. This is a real rhema scripture to me, something that God revelated to me one day as a real verse for a word for this church to live by and and to direct us. It's an unusual scripture, check it out. But he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. Now, I know that's like, well, what does that mean? Listen to me very closely. In the Jewish culture, the firstborn would have the right of the double portion. And a lot of times we know that. We've heard that. Okay, the firstborn, he gets the double portion. And we think in terms of, well, that's great. He just came out of the womb first. And therefore, he gets double blessed. Why why is that? What, what, What would be the deal with that? But listen to me closely. That word right, the right of the firstborn is his. That word right is not right at all. In the Hebrew language, it's responsibility. And in the Hebrew culture, this wasn't just okay. The guy that comes out of the womb first gets double blessed. It was always about if anything ever happened to mom or dad, someone had to take care of the family. And therefore, in order to take care of that family, the firstborn was a logical person to do that, they would get the double blessing, not so that they could be selfish and consume it upon themselves, but so that they could take care of the family. God revelated that to me one day, very unusual, I begin to weep as he did, and I'm not a crier. And he shared that with me as a life verse for this church. We were, if you will, the firstborn as far as a non-denominational kind of church. In our area, we were one of the first ones, really the first one of this type of church to come into Mount Juliet. And we started, knew nobody, and started with 18 people. God has blessed us, folks. We are now at about 2,300 active folks that come and are a part of joy. Come on, give God a better thanks. And we have no debt, and we're blessed. But listen to me. We are the firstborn, not just simply so that we can say, yeah, look at us, we're out of debt, we have money in the bank. We are the firstborn, and we have a responsibility to take care of this city. That is our responsibility. Look at the life point, check it out. Our responsibility is to take care of the community. We're not just blessed to be blessed. Listen to me. We have more. But never forget what your more is for. We have a response, not in the name of social justice, but in the name of Jesus Christ. Our goal is to change the perception of a community so they don't see us as judgmental or irrelevant. But we meet their tangible needs, and in doing so, we open a heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to just feed somebody and feed their belly and have them go to hell. Oh, no, open their heart by feeding their belly. And in doing so, I want to pour the thing that never, ever, ever stops satisfying down. And his name is Jesus. We have a responsibility, church, to take care of the community. Will you join me? We've got to change the perception in order to change the reception. We've got to go from religion to relationship. We've got to go from taker to giver. And then number three, we've got to go from correction to connection. Now, this is huge. We must make that jump. And two and three go hand in hand. And let me give you a life point that'll help you understand what I'm saying. Check it out. Joy Church, and we've said it over and over just today, is not about telling the community how bad they are, but showing the community how good God is. We must connect before we correct. I have five people that believe that. We must connect before we correct. Now, listen to me. This is a huge, huge jump for most of the church. And my goal, I watch, and listen, we are now in this country at the most divided place that we have ever been as a country in my 57 years of living, by far and it's only going to get worse. And I watch so many people, all they do is they sit in their corner, they sit in their their computer corner and lob hand grenades at people that they don't know anything about and they don't understand. And because of social media, it's given us what I call computer courage. We say things behind a computer or behind an iPhone that we would never say to a person face-to-face at Walmart lest we be beaten so easy to sit in your mama's basement in your fruit of the loom while you have no job blogging away just hurling your hand grenades at everybody else in the name of the Lord. And listen to me, if you lead with your issue you will lose your right to lead people to Jesus Christ. It is easy, listen to me church, it is easy to hate people from afar. It is difficult to hate people up close. Because all of a sudden when you find when you're up close with someone, you'd be surprised how much you have in common. And I watched this country is all about, I mean, they can agree on 99% of, the, of whatever, but they find the 1% to argue about. That's where we are. I, I, I reverse it. I challenge you to find the 1% that you can find in common. And build on that. And in doing so, if you can build a bridge with that 1%, then you can find a way to give Jesus instead of your issue. Give Jesus to people. Amen. Yes. Let me give you a case in point. I, I, I can tell. I, I, know, I know how that goes. I know sometimes when things are meaty, you got to chew on it a while before you swallow. And some of you are chewing on that. Hmm, should I swallow it out? Let me give you a practical example to help you understand. I'm a big college football fan. Anybody else in the house, a college football fan? We're almost there. Almost there. Now listen, I'm, I'm, I'm asking your help. I have I have that's my one little hobby in the fall: is college football. I, I I work on Saturday. I have a service on Saturday. So I can't watch as much college football as I like to. So you know what to do? I DVR. So I need your help this college football season. Don't you dare tell me the score on the way out on Saturday. But you do it. Let me find out on my own on Sunday. I have a DVR. It's from God. (laughs) Just asking your help as we enter into the season. So as a college football fan, I'm originally from Ohio, so it only makes sense that I go with God's team, Ohio State. I know this is SEC country, I know I'm swimming upstream, I know. <laughs> behave, Pastor Jim, behave. <laughs> Find the 1% that you have and come. <laughs> so as an Ohio State fan, as you know, I, I, you know we have a big issue with Ishigan. <laughs> and I won't put the M on the name because I don't want you to hear me curse. My house. If you put the M on the name, that's a curse word. My son, when he was growing up, he he homeschooled. Mama homeschooled. And they went through geography and they did the whole 50 states and all of that. And as they were learning the states, uh, they came to Michigan, and he had to write down on the test what the name of the state was. And he put Michigan and he left off the M. And his mama came to me and said, "Well, honey, what do you think? Should I do? How should I grade it?" I said. If you get that boy and take, make that incorrect, you're no longer his teacher. <laughs> to me, that was the right answer. You should give him extra credit for that answer. <laughs> so you see where I'm coming from, and I, we, have a, we have a number of folks that come from the state of Michigan, and God bless you, I'll love you 364 days of the year, but one day I will hate your guts. You guys were just kidding. I hope you know. <laughs> so I get a big time, a lot of my information from Ohio State websites, you know, sports stuff, and all of that. And before the most recent coach, Jim Harbaugh, the coach prior to that was a guy by the name of Brady Hoke. And one day I was walking through the audience, greeting folks, and. Again, I'm a little bit different than most megachurch pastors. Most megachurch pastors, you know, they kind of whisk them in and whisk them out, and they come in and out of a stage. I don't do that. You saw me. I go out, and I I shake your hand and hug on you and love on you just because I just believe that you don't need to be all afraid of people. I I just love people. Well, if I do that, I won't be anointed. Oh, Jesus never did it. He was anointed pretty well, don't you think? So I I just figure I do all my praying before I get here. Now, listen to me. you got to help me because if you ask me a bunch of crazy questions before before I preach, that's not going to help me any. Don't ask me, hey, pastor, did Eve have a belly button? Don't ask me that before I preach. (laughs) Hey, pastor, I have a quick question for you. Just take five seconds. What about once saved, always saved? Yeah, it takes five seconds to ask and 45 minutes to answer. (laughs) Please, I'm I'm just shaking hands. Hello. And then, ladies, may I ask your help for a moment? Some of you all put lotion on, a lot of it, and whenever I shake your hand, I know it when you do because you slime me. It's like, what did you just? I'm like the whole rest of my pre. And then you understand when I'm up here with a microphone, it's like, whoa, hey, because I've been slimed. Would you turn to your neighbors and go, "Don't slime the pastor." Come on, just tell them, "Don't, don't slime the pastor." So I go out in the audience, and I I, I greet folks because I love people. And I I met this one gentleman. I looked at him, greeted him for the first time, said hello, just loved on him. He looked real familiar. So I walked away, went to the next person, but I kept looking at him because he looked so familiar to me. And I kept looking at him. And finally went back, and I said, anybody ever tell you that you look like Brady Hoke? Brady Hoke, as I mentioned, was the coach before Harbaugh was at Michigan." And, and he said, well, I said that's because I am. <laughs> so I said, like, ushers, remove this man. Get out of here. No, we just, if, he, he began to tell me, he said, well, he said, my daughter uh, has, you know, he was up in Michigan, but my daughter moved here for a job and found your church and loves it. And now every time he would come to visit her, he would come and sit in our church. And he'd been there a number of times before. I just hadn't met him. And, and he loves it. And he knew that I was an Ohio State fan. he knew that we abused Michigan in lots of videos <laughs> and in lots of verbal, you know, he, he knew all of that. But he came and he loved it anyway. Now, I got all of my information from him through Ohio State websites. And on those, they would ridicule him. They would mock him, you know, on it, trash him, on and on and on. And so it was easy to make fun of him from afar. But when I got up close and began to know Brady, he's one of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. Loves Jesus. Biggest mistake they ever could have made was firing him and hiring Harbaugh. (laughs) Unless you're here today, Jim. Then God bless you. And then I'm sure we'll be good friends. But it's amazing, once I got up close to Brady, what a great guy he was. Can I ask you a favor? Can I ask you as a believer to stop throwing your hand grenades? Can I ask you to stop correcting everybody before you start connecting with somebody? Because then and only then will we be able, just like Jesus, did he cross the bridge that no one else would. The Jews wouldn't go to Samaria. But he did. And in doing so, he changed the perception of one woman and therefore the reception of one woman. And therefore it affected an entire city. Right. Let me show you the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, some powerful verses here. Look at, look at, look, look. I want to support this from the Word of God. Look at what it says. For though I be free from all men, yet I've made myself a servant. Everybody say servant. Servant in all that I might gain the more. Under the Jews, I became as a Jew. Now, here's the connection. Under the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ. In other words, I became that way, but I didn't compromise to do it that I might gain them without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. In other words, let me break this down. Let me give you three connection concepts that will help you understand these verses very clearly. Number one, check it out. You serve them to gain them. Paul said, I became a servant of them. Why? To gain them. Why do you think that we're out there serving meals? Well, uh, We just came uh, on Friday. We had an outreach at Sweet Cece's. We had a yogurt outreach where we bought uh, 269 people free yogurt. And they were like, why are you guys doing this? And we said, well, honestly, so that we could get some free yogurt. (laughs) We simply wanted to serve them. And I'm telling you, I love that. I love that. You were just, just, it was, but we wanted to serve. We made so many great connections there. And people were asking, why are you doing this? And then, and then as they would leave, we gave them a Joy Church mug with some really cool stuff in it. So it was really cool. The church people, the church people were buying them free yogurt. And then on the way out, we were mugging them. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Why do we do that? We serve them to gain them. Why are we we cleaning the houses? We serve them to gain them. Why are we feeding them? We serve them to gain them. You saw that three-in-one outreach that we're doing in the fall, where where we have a, a free yard sale. Most churches, they sell their junk so that they can get a new keyboard. We never do that. We always give it away. We always give away our junk. We give away great stuff, great stuff, brand-new bicycles, great stuff. Why? We're serving them to gain them. Why? We're changing their perception that we're irrelevant, that all we're about is just cosmic spiritual things that don't make any difference. We want to touch them with a tangible thing that touches their life so that they can see that Jesus is real and is alive helping anybody in the house. Second thing you need to know, second connection concept, you got to become them, game them. Now when I say become them, I literally mean this life point. You got to put yourself in their shoes. Compassion always flows from another man's shoes, not out here. How many know if you want to save their soul, you got to jump in their shoes. That's where compassion flows from is when you begin to become them. Like Paul said, I became as a Jew. I became as one without the law. I became as weak. In other words, I began to connect with them and identify them, not just stand over here in my computer courage lobbing hand grenades at them. Right. Why? So that I could change their perception. Why? So that we can change their reception. Why? So that we can give them Jesus. For example, we have a ton of police that come here. It's cut way down on my illegal activity. I said it's cut down, not completely out, but cut down. And and, and one of the the sergeants told me, they said, man, Pastor, uh, 85% of us police, we go through divorces. It's such a difficult lifestyle. And so when I heard that stat, all of a sudden I wanted to jump in their shoes. I've not been a policeman. I don't have any family members that are police. I don't fully understand what it means to be a policeman. I just know, God bless you, and we just respect the snot out of you guys. So I wanted to jump in their shoes. So we developed a ministry called Cop Out to help cut down on the 85% divorce rate. We want to send them out on a beautiful night on the town, put them at a beautiful hotel, equip them with the Word of God to help enhance their marriage. So that we can do something about it and reach them for Jesus. Yeah. So, we just recently sent out an awesome couple on the SWAT team Sean and Lori Harden. Check it out.
0: So, we'll start with Sean first. Okay. So, Sean, how long have you been a police
2: officer? uh started at the police department in uh 2005. currently i'm on the full-time swat team uh, so that's my regular day-to-day shift is just um being part of the swat team everything that comes with that training um going out looking for bad guys doing search warrants all that kind of stuff
0: lori yes how did you and sean meet
2: oh
1: We,
2: I met Sean, uh, I was getting off work one day, and me and some friends were going to a karaoke bar, and I walked in, and he was singing karaoke. What song were you singing, Sean? Uh, It was probably something Stevie Wonder, or something like that, yeah. It probably wasn't a worship song. No, it wasn't. (laughs) And
0: so, speaking of the transition of worship, now, you're here at Joy Church, and you're both serving at Joy Church. Yes. Uh, Lori, what, what do you do here at Joy Church?
2: I help with the connections table and uh, the connection groups. Awesome. Sean, what do you do? Uh, at Joy Church, I serve on the uh, Sounds of Joy team, um, uh, basically the worship team with Miss Ann. So,
0: um, it's just like whoever wants to feel this one, so either Sean or Lori. So how does it feel to be our next cop-out family? <gasps> On behalf of Pastor Jim and Miss Ann and the Joy Church family, we wow. want to invest in your marriage. So oh, wow. of course you'll cool. have a free night out on Joy
2: Church. Be oh, at the Opry. Everything's paid for. Really Crazy nice guy.
3: room.
2: Hey, Joy Church. This is uh, Sean and Lori coming at you from the cop-out blessing that we received. Uh, we were blown away. Uh, huge blessing. We thank you so much. We're especially thankful for all the staff for all the amazing people that we have that have great marriages, that we can follow in your footsteps um, to value your marriage, to invest in your marriage. And once again, we thank you and we love you all. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Come on, encourage them big. I love Lori's expression. And I could just see Sean, my sherry <laughs> i will do it every time, Sean. That'll do it every time. <laughs> ah, see what I'm talking about? What are we doing? We're serving them. Yeah. We're becoming like them. We're putting ourselves in their shoes. And we're going to bless as many police that we got in the house. And then from there, we're going out into the community and bless police that they have no idea who we are. Come on. Isn't that great? I love it. I absolutely love it. Please remember this slide point. It's just so important. Check it out. Always put yourself in another man's shoes. But never put yourself in another man's sin. And when I say that, that really introduces point three. Because you need to know this. We will do everything that we can to reach people. But we will not compromise to do it. We're not going to do it. And I want you to rest assured in that. I've seen a lot of churches walk away from the word of God in the name of relevance. We're not going to do that. We're going to do everything that we can to reach people. We're going to become as they are. We're going to put ourselves in their shoes. We're going to serve them. But we are not going to compromise to reach them. We're not going to Put ourselves in another man's sin. We don't need to perpetuate bondage. Just rest assured, this is one church that will not get off the word of the living God. We do everything we can so that they know we're not judgmental and everything that we can to be relevant in a biblical, uncompromised way because I'm convinced more than ever. In order to reach the culture, you have to be different from the culture. If you are exactly the same as the culture, which most churches are trying to do, you can never reach the culture because they won't know the difference. So listen to me, church. Listen to me very, very closely. It's imperative that we change the perception of this region in order to change the reception of this region. Why? I believe with all of my heart if we do... We can touch a city just like that woman. We can touch a city. We can, we can touch Mount Julia. We can touch Lebanon. We can touch Hermitage. We can even touch Watertown, wherever it is. And we can find it. We can touch it. Come on, church. Go with me. Go with me. Help me change from judgmental and irrelevant. Help me change the perche- perception so that we can change the reception and we can win an entire city for the Lord.